going to start with a brief poll today. How many of you would say that Billy Graham is called to ministry? Raise your hand. How many of you would say that Nick Leach is called to ministry? Raise your hand. (laughs) How many of you would say that your pastor is called to ministry? Raise your hand. How many of you would say that you are called to ministry? Raise your hand. Just curious. By the end of this sermon, my hope is that every one of you would be ready to raise your hand. Jack Martins is a retired minister, but he didn't stand behind a pulpit. He stood behind a music stand and worked with about 10,000 students over the years in the inner city of San Francisco as a band director. He had a Bible on his desk. He had some Christian symbols on his desk. And the kids knew that he was a Christian. The kids knew that he loved them because he would sit with them during lunch and talk to them about being on welfare or how difficult it was to learn English because it wasn't their primary language or how difficult it was to live without a father at home. About half of the kids did. Through all this these conversations with the kids, through the arts, money for the arts, funding for the arts, getting cut back within his schools, he still maintained these activities with the kids and said, I love these kids, and they love me. He knew that they loved him. And in me, he said, they can see my love for Jesus Christ. Through the mechanics of music, Jack Martins was able to show these kids that they were capable of something beautiful. Martins is a committed follower of Jesus Christ, just like you are. And he saw his secular work as a sacred call. Now, today we face the gospel story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. The story, as Wayne said, that immediately precedes it is Jesus' baptism. And that story concludes with these words, And the Holy Spirit descended upon him, upon Jesus, in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. So we know now in our scripture today that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. And it is this same spirit that leads him into the wilderness to prepare 
for his public ministry. For 40 days, we're told, Jesus is tempted by the devil. And then we read about the three specific temptations for Jesus to make a stone into bread, to rule all the kingdoms of the world, and to, like Batman maybe, fly down from the pinnacle of the temple, proving that God could handle any kind of thing like that. Jesus was tempted to trust the evil one instead of his good God, to acquire power, and then use this power corruptly. Well, when we think about what those temptations meant, the symbols of them, they are not foreign to us. We are constantly tested, tempted to compromise our values, a man visited a psychiatrist. He explained, I've been doing wrong, doctor, and my conscience is bothering me. The psychiatrist asked, so you want something that will strengthen your will? And the guy replied, oh, no, I'd rather get something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> Our values and ethics are challenged by some of the choices that we're forced to make. For instance, we choose every day, probably, between spending money now or saving it for later. We may have to make a choice between giving an invalid relative 24-hour care in a nursing home or more sporadic yet more personal care in a home. We choose between sheltering our child from every imaginable danger on one hand or allowing the child to explore and learn and possibly get hurt. One of my parents stated, since I became a parent, that the other of my parents' philosophy when my sister and I were growing up was better to climb a tree than, and fall than never to have climbed a tree at all. Now that's on one side, and then I see other parents who are very protective and wouldn't let their child go up that tree because he might fall, he might break a bone, you never know what could, not, could happen. You need to stay on the ground. It's hard to know which is the temptation and which is the right thing to do? Well, Jesus, as he was tempted, returned to the scriptures and what he knew to be true. For me, that's kind of like Sunday school. You know, a lot of us grew up in Sunday school and, and we learned these lessons when we were small. And then we have later on in our lives the opportunities to go back and think about those lessons. And it's good for us that they are implanted somewhere in our brains. Because when we get into trouble, when we come into that time of temptation, that's when we can pull from what is inside of us because we, too, are full of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance what we know, like it did for Jesus, and then we can make a good decision.
I think we are told these stories about Jesus' temptations so that we can go back to him and say, you know, if the Son of God was tempted, then certainly I'm going to be tempted. And even though he was the Son of God, he withstood the temptation. Do I have that strength too? We do. A glance at Jesus, the thought of these overwhelming 40 days of steady temptation, this glance back to him can give us strength to withstand the temptation, can give us vision that we need to make a good decision and then go forward. I think vision really helps. What I mean by that is being mindful of the long-term consequences of our decisions. I think that's what gets, gets us into trouble. We do what seems expedient or we do what feels good at the time at the risk of negative long-term consequences. And the evil one just knows how to get us. Do you notice that? Someone said, Satan, like a good fisherman, chooses the perfect bait for the fish he wants. The evil one knows, seems to know our weaknesses as well or better than we do ourselves and then attacks from that angle. But if we can think farther ahead, it will help us. A Jewish proverb says, many of you will know this one from our Bible, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, there's a Nigerian proverb that says, fear of jail is the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) When we take time to examine the potential consequences of our actions, prayerfully, we'll make better decisions and be more responsive to God's specific calls to each one of us. Country singer Martina McBride writes about how much she loved singing country music as a child. But in her early 20s, and she knew she wanted to be a singer, when she got into her early 20s, people were saying, people don't want to hear Haggard. They don't want to hear Tillis. And so she started singing more popular music, and, and she found that she was just going through the motions. And she really wasn't happy, even though she was doing what she thought she loved. Well, her dad called her up one day and said, there's a competition. Would you come back and sing with our band at this country music competition? And she did. And that night, the course of her life changed because she found that that was where her passion was. And she decided to move to Nashville. Now, I think this story was in our paper when she visited. She was in concert here a while back. But, you know, her first gig after she got to Nashville was with Garth Brooks selling T-shirts at his concerts. That was the first thing she did. But she knew she had a dream. 
and she knew what she wanted to do, and she was willing to work at it from the bottom level and work her way up to fulfill that dream, that passion. You know, we have dreams inside us as well. We have passions inside of us as well. And we have the power, too, to dig for those dreams. We need to pay attention, I think, to what inspires us, to what energizes us. And then not just say, oh, I figured it out. I'm going to sit down here and watch TV. But to get up and do something with what we have learned. Do something about it. Ran across this story about Lois Sechrist. In 1927, she was 15 years old, and she promised God that she would go overseas as a missionary, maybe to Africa or India, to help the needy. She never made that trip of mercy. She got married at 23 to a handsome farmhand, and this handsome farmhand became a heavy drinker. Well, many years later, her husband did become a Christian and testify about the peace of Christ to his drinking buddies. That was one positive thing. But by then, he was almost 80 and nearing death. When he did die in 1988, Lois went back to that childhood dream of being a missionary At first, she resisted because at this time, she was 76 years old. And she felt her opportunity to serve overseas as a missionary had slipped away. She recalls saying to God, Lord, I am too old to go now. I can't do this. And yet something pulled at her. And she went on a trip to the Philippines. And then she went on another trip to the Philippines with another group. And then she went to the Philippines by herself a third time. And so by the age of 87, Lois Prater became the unlikely builder of an orphanage in the Philippines and became a lifeline to 35 children whose lives had been rescued from neglect, from abuse, from begging in the streets. She calls them her children, even though she is a great-grandmother. And they range in age from eight months to ten years. She built this orphanage without taking out a loan, without relying on a denomination because no denomination wanted to support a person of that age. But private donations have helped her build the orphanage and teach the kids and sustain them. And she said, she was asked when, um, when she was talking about not having the money or only having surviving through donations, she said, does that make, somebody said, does that make you nervous? And she said, I serve a mighty God. He's in control. I feel I'm not talented enough to do any of this, but God enables me. My responsibility 
is to do what I can. You have a calling. You have within you a God-given passion that God can pull out from you and use if you're open to that. You're probably not called to be a band director in the inner city or to be a country music star or to found an orphanage. But God has given you a talent and a dream to match it. Now, here's a local example. Not too long ago, Kathy Martin came and said that she had learned about another church's prayer shawl ministry. She had gotten information about it. Now, Kathy loves to sew. Usually you'll see her in something that she has made. Kathy learned about this, got information from this other church. Here's how it works. Someone in the congregation will knit or crochet a shawl. And when it's done, and when the congregation hears about someone in need of prayer, then, the, as I understand it, the shawl will be brought to the front of the sanctuary, and each of us would be given the opportunity to pray over that. And then that shawl would be taken or sent to the person in need of prayer. Now, Kathy has volunteered to organize this at our church. So you'll be hearing about this. But I thought that that was such a perfect example of how she, she knew her passion and she found a way that she could use it as a ministry for many other people. That's her calling. You are called. What dream, then, has God given to you? You are called as much as Jesus was called, as much as Kathy was, is called to the prayer shawl ministry. Now, I expect we're all thankful that God didn't call us to be messiahs. But God does call us to follow in the messiah's footsteps, to dream of ways to make this church better, our world better better, of redeeming this world, following in Christ's footsteps. With God's help, as we draw on the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bring those dreams to life. I won't ask for another show of hands, but listen, you are called You are called by God to ministry. It may be secular. It may be through this church. It may be in the Philippines. Who knows? But call on the Spirit to help you to know your dream, know your passion, and fulfill it for the sake of Jesus Christ. God is saying to you, just like that commercial, can you hear me now? Let's pray together. God of peace, God of love, God of hope, and God of dreams, hear our prayers as we call out to you, inviting you to speak to us, to teach through us, to minister 
through us as we are called to serve in Jesus' name. Amen.